we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, to episode 93 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke Matthews, and I am here finally with the full Trade Secrets crew again, starting with Joel Simon. Cadow! Andy Padel. Sup? And Ed Bean's back! Ed Bean's back! Hi, Ed Bean! Ed Bean is back! Ah. <laughs> not, not so loud, How please. is Ann Bean's life? Ann's Bean's life. Ann's Bean's. Ann's Bean's? Ann Bean's. Not Ann Bean's life. Ann's Bean's life. So, yes, is it a lima bean? No, Garbanzo. My Garbanzo, middle initial okay. is G. Dad jokes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lima I, I like. Please hey, say if that. Dad we, bod is popular now. Yeah, then dad I, jokes should become true. popular pretty soon too. No, dad jokes have always been popular. They they are timeless. Dear dear listeners at home, I promise you, no matter how much you're suffering through this, I am suffering so much more right now. He's <laughs> got the sultry voice Andy's of suffering. And he's hungover. But hungover with victory. Hungover. How's with that victory? hangover working for you, Andy? I will make you eat that fucking microphone. <laughs> he doesn't have headphones on either right yeah. now. That's so. why I was yelling over, over the mic instead of into it. I partied a, a little bit too much last night, and at least I didn't keep partying because that would have been real bad. Yeah. But for for triumph. For 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 victory and for charity. Yeah. The we Moxtropolis didn't. event. Did we ever get to uh, how Ann Bean's life No, is we didn't. So what's, how's, how's Ann Bean's life? Uh, I was disassembled, uh, taken to Port Townsend, reassembled faster, better, stronger, okay. uh, which translates to I went to the Artist Trust Edge program, which is a Washington State thing that you can do. It is business boot camp for writers and artists. They have a visual art program and a literary art program. Cool. I also went to AWP, which is a much more boring con than comic book conventions. Wop. It is the... A wop. Help. <laughs> a wop. Uh, it's Wait, that didn't come And I went to no. Minneapolis. That's no. I, you, and you no. kept no. saying it. rolling so with I'm, it, too. I'm just like, oh, mm. he keeps, well, he keeps saying wop over and over again. All right. Alp. Alp. The, the, there's, there was an A at the beginning, but it's just, I don't think I'm capable of pronouncing a wop. I can't pronunciate words. Um, <laughs> I don't even care. Anyway, it was in Minneapolis. Everyone. It was about books. It was more boring than Comic-Con, except that I did learn new things about fast food, and I ate mac and cheese pizza. Mac and cheese thing. pizza. It's very good. It's a thing. But with pepperoni? No, no, no. Just mac and cheese on just pizza. Just mac and cheese. Okay. Mm-hmm. They have Actually a sounds pretty good. There's yeah, a restaurant that awesome. has a mac and cheese pizza with Beecher's mac and cheese and then what? pepperoni on it. What? It's amazing. Here? <clears throat> Around mm-hmm. here? Yeah. Okay. Zadja Buddy and uh, oh, Zeta. Yeah, yeah. Zeta Buddies. Zeta? Zeta. Zeta? It's not Zadja. It's I think Zeta. it's Z A Y D A. There's a Y in there, right? Zeta Buddies. Okay. All right. Zabba You know what? I will use my words and you will use yours. (laughs) And I will speak correctly and you won't. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Good comeback. (laughs) Uh. Robert Flapper. Go stuff. Yep. I I drew a comic and handed it out on free comic book day. 
No shit. Which was fun. Yeah. Uh, and apparently all the ones I left at Arcane are gone, so I take that as a favorable sign. Um, I've had these like variations on the Death of Bluebeard, blue, alternate endings to the Bluebeard fairy tale <laughs> comics that are just like, they're sort of Sunday Funnies style, mm-hmm. and there's 13 of them, and I've been trying to convince people to do them and nobody nobody has so i'm gonna do them my damn self with yeah. my if you want something done limited skills here we go <laughs> cool do it yep. so that's my life nice that's everything that ever happened welcome back thank you yeah now that all of that's taken care of and you're back on the show your life's actually complete yep yeah wait are you gonna kill me later <laughs> <laughs> here hold these I keys i said complete i didn't say finished <laughs> andy why are you hungover I was part of a charity event in uh, at Cafe Mox called uh, Moxtropolis. Um, it was to raise money for Hopelink. There were 20 teams, uh, including Bungie, Penny Arcade, Paizo, Wizards of the Coast, Green Ronin Games, and a bunch of other people who I can't think of right now because I drank a lot at the end. And we raised over <laughs> at the nine, end. Uh huh. We raised over ninety thousand dollars for Hope Link, That's awesome. which is super super cool. Yeah, it's, it's just people like Joe Schmoes, and it's awesome. And I'm slowly dying inside. I'm <laughs> so sorry. I'm going to be worthless. <laughs> Getting old, man. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it party like it used to. I feel like it lends a certain not gravitas, but like urgency to everything you say because you sound like you're about to die yeah <laughs> there's some truth to that this this <laughs> might be, be the last life. thing i ever say so i better make it count yep. <laughs> 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 how about you joel yeah. what do you been is anything interesting in your in joel simon's life uh daughter graduated college it's kind of crazy yeah I'm old. I am realize I'm old. And then I also realize that she's a, like two years younger than most of the people I work with, <laughs> which makes me even feel Isn't even older. Awesome. Yeah. And how old are you now? 30. Okay. I thought you were much younger than that. Maybe when, no, when we first met, you were much I, younger than I that. was younger <laughs> earlier in That's time. <laughs> just, <laughs> okay, just look, I'm guys. I'm not aging back. In be, like five will... or six years ago, you you were not 30 it's back then. It's so true. <laughs> 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 Well, I was going to make a comment that you are about as old as Joel's daughter. No. So that's 23? Yeah. 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 When, no. we, when we first met Anne, Anne was 24, 25. <laughs> I think more like 25. I don't know. How long have we been doing this thing? We've been doing mm. this show for, this is four and a half years at this point. Yeah. So mm. um, Probably 25. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it just, it's, all the shows are blending together mm-hmm. for me right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that... Now, I'm a dad, so I can use the dad bod, right? And the dad jokes. Um, Joel, yeah. I've known you for a decade, and you've never had anything other than the dad bod. Yeah. I know. Oh, well, dad bod. Yeah, me too. <laughs> dad bod is, like, it's charming and ridiculous at the same time, because I'm like, oh, you mean your reaction to being suddenly objectified is to normalize normal people's bodies? Yeah. Gee, I wish this applied <laughs> to women ever. No, no, because mom jeans are coming in. But what does that mean? I don't even understand what just I, happened. Dear listeners at home, I have no idea what's going on. This so in my own home, and I don't even know anymore. It All is. Right, it has ahead. been long enough since it launched that we can talk about Daredevil and not worry about spoilers. Um, I personally think that the Daredevil TV show could not have possibly nailed the tone better than it did. I think they got almost everything just right. I will give it a 
a 10 out of 10 stars, but like if you were to zoom in, it would be like 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> what's your what's your hang up? Um, the very last episode, there, there were certain parts of it that just did not like Wilson Fisk does not run. Uh, I don't know. Like that, that it seemed a little bit too goofy for the character. <laughs> yep. It was it was wacky. Wacky would be the term that I would use to describe it. Like other than that, I think every single moment of that show was perfectly executed and just fantastic. And then D'Onofrio's like his, take I, on I am the Kingpin is yeah. was amazing. Wait, yeah, I'm in. Okay, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I feel you like win. King Kingpin's the main reason to watch no, the show. Like as Daredevil's a, all right. As a tangent, <laughs> if you compare him to other kingpins it's not even fair because you've got such people as um well michael clark duncan yeah and oh no uh oh my god the one oh, fuck. what are you trying to even talk about guy. what is his name john travolta john travolta was also sort of a kingpin-esque character uh, oh in in punisher yeah that's not he wasn't even close to a king he he was a movie ruiner is what he was yeah. i'm just saying that like his michael clark michael duncan clark did okay duncan was great. He did i okay. thought he was i, I thought, thought he was, was a good, good he was he did well with a thankless yeah. version of the character, um, which is a shame because he was a really good casting choice for the character, and just they didn't give him didn't anything, give him anything to work with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really actually like to see Mark, Michael Clark Duncan show up in the Daredevil show as well, Barracuda. Since he passed away a few years ago, I don't think that's going to happen. God damn it! <laughs> God damn. <it. clears throat> okay, I'm just gonna be you know I there. I think. Andy's on to a good point, though. Like, at the ending, I always thought the whole Daredevil-Kingpin dynamic was that the Kingpin was this untouchable guy, right? Like, you you can't bring his his um, syndicate down because he's just too powerful and he's just too established. And Daredevil usually has to take the fight to Kingpin, but it it turns out in the TV show that, that you know, Kingpin got torn down right sure, he actually got keep, thrown in jail but keep the keep in mind that this is again like many other things that have happened recently this is like a pre-origin right it's you don't see daredevil in daredevil outfit till the second or the last, the last or the episode. last episode yeah. right yeah, yeah. and this is the kingpin building his empire mm. because in the beginning of the show for the first you know six episodes the kingpin is clearly subordinate to a group of people who supported Madame Gao and he's part of this larger organization and I have a feeling that this is you know it's the setup where he is going to become the king the quote unquote kingpin Mm -hmm. you know over the course of time I do however like the fact that he may be the kingpin of crime but one of the things about Daredevil has always been that he's he's not even like a citywide hero. He's a neighborhood hero, yeah, right? Like Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen is his neighborhood. It's what he defends. It's like that little thing. And the Kingpin um, was just another Hell's Kitchen guy, not like this huge, you know, crime like citywide Did, New York crime. Does anyone thing. else um, read Daredevil or have you read Daredevil? Uh, I have read. So some. I read a. Yeah. a Several of the trades that were sort of in the middle, um, the Bendis run of the Bendis run, okay. yeah. Like there's like, um, I'm very happy that they've introduced Vanessa early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're they're setting up a bunch of stuff for like five seasons or so, um, and hopefully this is the smartest thing I say. I'll show uh, that their plan is like this is sort of the origin, and then 
seasons two, three, four will be the buildup, and season five will be the culmination, and it'll be done. Yeah, that makes sense. Because Maybe, yeah. Murdoch gets revealed to everyone, and stuff kind of shit hits the fan, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, it would be interesting to see if, um, like, what Daredevil's place in Captain America Civil War is, uh, or whether they... that'll cross over? I do. I hope so. I mean, they cross over. They they're crossing they're over. Shield man. Well, no, but I think the thing is, is that the the movie universe and the TV universe don't have that separation. Yeah, like you look at Daredevil, like the, the whole the beginning. Well, in the whole beginning of Daredevil, they were talking about the event. the, the events from Avengers, mm-hmm. right? That's why the construction companies were rebuilding things mm-hmm. in New York that got destroyed by the aliens, right? I appreciate um, that 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 was in there, but it was kind of veiled. Uh, it was a little bit, yeah. Yeah, there's hmm. wasn't. Well, and then am I thinking of that as the correct show where there's some picture of the the reporter? His he has like his when he's collecting all his photos when he's like leaving the office. He has yeah, Ben Ulrich has has photos of the the invasion. Yeah. And then, um, but the, and there's like Wesley's comment about when the guys get beat up by Daredevil, and he says if they had a magic hammer or a suit of armor, yeah, then yeah. I could you know something like so. It's it's a crossover. It's a real crossover, but. Um, I don't know. I I just I don't mind. I didn't mind the last. I thought the last episode. I did not think the last episode was the strongest episode of the show. Clearly, um, and actually, second one of episode. yeah, the second yeah. one of the strongest things in that show was that fucking hallway fight in the second oh, episode. Man, like that was, that was the best thing. So goddamn amazing. Like I feel like Daredevil's worth <clears throat> watching just for the fight scenes. Yeah. Uh, although like, oh I have had a conversation uh, with my friend Elsa, who is legally blind and uses a cane, and she, and she's like, look. This this whole show is a um, conspiracy by the people that make the canes because he just t- chucks them and runs all the yeah. time. Those things are fucking expensive. He's got to have a whole closet full. Well, and um, I think the only real major criticism that I have about the show is way, way too much shaky cam, especially oh, okay. in yeah. especially in still scenes yep. that don't need it, like. There were literally, especially in the middle few episodes, there were entire conversations that I couldn't even look at the screen because it was making <laughs> me seasick. And it was just a talking head scene. Yeah. It was people standing around talking about stuff. The scene in the garage where Kingpin and Madame Gao and the, the finance guy, whoever, whatever the fuck his name was, um, are just standing there talking about Daredevil like horning in and I as it were I had to you know, I had to look away I, I just listened to that conversation because the shaky cam was so bad that I was it was hurting my head yeah and that I hope they yeah. fucking cut <clears throat> cut the fuck out because it's not necessary god I hate shaky cam god, I, I don't I don't think I mentioned this in the last podcast but one of my favorite animated gifts that I've seen recently was the Avengers Civil War poster which was like Captain yeah. America Falcon Hawkeye, mm. Spider, you know, it's like showing all these people, and then underneath it is uh, Matt Murdock with the balloon, and it's just floating, and he's sitting there kind of sad. <laughs> have you guys, uh, um, have you guys seen the poster for Ant-Man? Yes. No. No. Oh, it's so bad. Which, I mean, which poster for the Ant-Man? Main, the main poster with him in the middle, and like the bridge in the background. Oh. And the, uh, it no. looks like a mid-90s VHS straight-to-video cover. Oh, God. It's really fucking bad. The one I saw that bad. I thought was actually good is just like it's mostly white, and it has like tiny little Ant-Man in there. Oh, yeah, that's totally different than the one that I was looking at. So I don't understand how they can do something as amazing as they did with Guardians of the Galaxy, 
and then go from that to, to Ant Man. Yeah. yeah, right. I saw a like full length trailer for the thing uh, before uh, Ultron, and it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. I, I like. I'm watching. I think they have tur- are going to turbo fail in balancing seriousness with silliness. Yeah. So speaking of Age of Ultron, I think we've all seen it. Oh yes. I was not impressed. I loved it. This, I, and I know I'm in a minority, but I really liked me. That, that's I. I'm like, not going to see a Marvel movie to be absolutely blown away by like the story and whatnot because these are all stories that we've you know all read before to a certain or lesser degree. I try not to walk into it with that mindset because it's there is an audience that has not right, and I haven't read Ultron in yeah. the comics. I think the problem, my problem with like, I don't think it was a bad movie. But I don't think it was a good movie. And I came to this revelation when I was talking with somebody about it online. And they were like, I really hated Age of Ultron. And I said, I thought it was fine. And then I I was like, I started doing what I do with all the Marvel movies and started trying to slot it into a rank amongst the rest of the Marvel movies. And I was like, well, it wasn't as good as the first Avengers. And it wasn't as good as Winter Soldier, which I'm a little biased because Winter Soldier is by far my favorite of the movies so far. I'm like, it wasn't good as Winter Soldier. And it wasn't really as good as Guardians of the Galaxy. It wasn't as good as Iron Man. <laughs> and it wasn't as good as the first Captain America. I don't know where this ranks. And and I kind of determined that it's either... It's about as dead center indifferent as I could be. Because it's either at the very bottom of the good Marvel movies or the very top of the bad ones. Yeah, And I'm like... It's just there's just too much shit in it. There's too much shit going on that doesn't lead, that that is set up for other things. So there was a ton of yammering in general as soon as it came out because that's what people do is they go see it and immediately scream on the internet. Um, and out of that chorus of voices, uh, the one that I thought like had the best point was this article on Medium, which I will look up when you guys are talking and say the author of. But it mm-hmm. and the one of the big points that it was making is, um, I mean, two things. One, too many characters. Mm-hmm. Like it's an ad for all yeah. the, the movies that are coming up. And two, nobody really has a character arc, mm-hmm. which is irritating. I, see, I disagree with that. Really? Who do you think has a character arc Ultron. in that movie? Really? What because is it? He went from he went from megalomaniacal wanting to take over the world to megalomaniacal to wanting to take over the world. No, he went from computer AI to wanting to take over the world to becoming Vision. But do you think he actually became Vision or is Vision something else? Yeah, Vision is part of Ultron. I don't... In that movie. uh, I kind of see where you're going with it, but I don't, like... I I would say, as character arcs go... of what Ultron could be. Okay. But that's a pretty surrealist character arc because it has literally three different entities. Yep. Uh, but he's also an AI. He's not an actual human. None of the so that means that still we're at none of the humans have any. Which is different than no one. Hmm? It doesn't redeem the movie for me. No, that yeah, makes sense, uh, I mean because one of the one of the most. It's like you guys are trying to find like the plot, like the the character elements in Tango and Cash, no, or Big Trouble in Little that's China. That's not true. Yeah. I'm trying to find the character elements in Avengers because, like, the first Avengers characters had arcs in that movie, and mm. pe- people grew through the things that happened. In lieu of arcs, and we just got backstory in this movie. Yeah, and yeah. one of the biggest Banner? one of the biggest problem. What Banner? 
he I, had the closest. I think he had the same because exact he actually arc he makes had in a the choice first Avengers. To he leave. makes a, cho- a choice to leave. Yeah, I think one of the worst was Black Tony Widow. Tony Stark. No, Black Widow. Yeah, I Black didn't Widow mind. was fine. She had something approaching a character. You're not really a character arc because she, again, she sort of makes a choice at the end, but not really. Well, and somebody made a very good point about her. I don't know that she has a character arc in this movie, but this movie definitely is the aftermath of. her stuff that happened in others yeah and one of the most important ones i thought for black widow was that in in uh winter soldier everything that she was gets wiped clean Mm. right all of her secrets are out she's no longer invisible like at the end of that movie she's fucking on tv in front of congress right um so this movie was her like somebody made a good point that this movie was the aftermath of that where she was like that now she's trying to deal with the concept of being uh, a person uh, being a public person and trying to figure out how that works you know and but the worst the worst lack of character arc is Tony Stark in my yep. opinion because, because it, they've set it up so he can't complete his character arc until Civil War right. which is a terrible setup and his 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 growth quote unquote growth and change in this movie is I bucked the rules and did something with no oversight to create um, uh, a world dominating AI and I'm going to fix that problem by bucking the rules with no oversight to create a world dominating AI so (laughs) so this is a way I think they could have fixed that what if and I realize I may be going against the comics but um I think it would have been more interesting if, you know, he has this big moment of hubris and is like, uh, and does the thing and then he feels really bad about it and is like, no, I've ruined everything. I'm a jerk. Um, but I still have this, you know, ticking time bomb of a box of potential Ultron. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been more interesting character wise if uh, Bruce Banner figured out something basically figured out that they needed what they needed to do with this and had to talk Tony into doing it. Again. Yeah, so I think that would have been that would have been way more interesting because because otherwise it traps Tony into still being a like egotistical science maniac and. Um, but that's the banner. Whole... No, but the thing is, I know it's. He... I know what you're about to say, and I know that it's the point of Tony Stark. But the problem is, is that there's no, never a change. Just follow me through this, right? The entire point of them leading him like this for Civil War is because that's what leads gives Civil War its gravitas. No, I understand He fucks that. up so bad that he actually realizes for the first time that he fucked up. The, the thing is, I would prefer that all in one movie, but, you know, exactly. stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, like you it, within, within, but that's the thing. It's, it's got to be its own thing at some point. Like, it's, it's fine to seed it with small bits that send you, you know, to other movies. But to be honest, a... F- 15 full minute segment where they go to Wakanda and talk to Claw and and have an origin story for Claw that's absolutely ridiculous in a movie where you've already got 10 separate main characters with all vying for screen time i mean little seeds yeah. are are fine it's it's and but but Editing having an entire yeah but having an entire characters um segment of the movie be half or less of an arc it that's just it's it's a waste of a movie to me you know so i feel like the first avengers focused on thor iron man and cap and their interactions with each other and hulk 
Bruce Banner. He was pretty I, big I thought that. the first movie did a great job in balancing the entire Avengers team. Admittedly, Hawkeye and Black Widow got a little bit less, which th- is why I think they got a little bit more. I think, yeah, yeah, this one focused more on Banner, Hawkeye, right. and uh, Black Widow. Because, uh, like, I... Didn't, I'm not used to the Ultimates version of the universe. And yeah. I was super confused when uh, home I looked uh, that up mm. because I because so you're used to Matt Fraction's Hawkeye where he's right, and I was like, okay, in interesting. So, so what's up with this? And yeah. then I read about the Ultimates universe, yeah. and I was like, oh, I had completely yeah. forgotten about that. And someone reminded me. I was like, oh yeah, I just shit. for, for I the listeners at home. Did his family get killed too by Black oh, yeah. Widow? Okay, wait, what by Black Widow? God, I don't. Yeah, I remember most of the Ultimates universe, be- and and I've always associated those with the movies solely because of of Samuel L. Jackson, because yeah. mm. that's where that whole thing started. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I God, I hope we get Punisher Cap in the movies eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I the darkest movie to date, Captain America. You know what? Five. I would actually. You know what I think would be cool. The reckoning. Uh, <laughs> on a side, weird side note, like. I would love to see the Punisher show up in the TV universe as maybe the the villain the the villain for the Defenders show. That would be kind of cool, I think. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's I mean because they've they've already set up Madame Gao for Immortal Iron Fist, and they're you know so good. Yeah, we're gonna get to what see is that she Cobra? is she a character from Iron Fist? Yeah, I'm she's not familiar. One with of the that. main villains in Iron Fist. Oh yeah. really? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's um, totally unassuming, cane walking whip or little woman. Um, is she Queen of Spiders? Thing. Now that's a question I, I hope that somebody asks about me. <laughs> <laughs> so last thing uh, before we... Okay, so... so, can, so no, I want to no, talk before, about Iron Fist Before this second. last thing. Oh, okay, go. Iron Fist. Uh, Iron Fist is Iron Fist, Dog Soldier number one, Queen of Spiders, Fat Cobra, and Steel Tiger. I think the <laughs> Out of context, name. this is great. Yeah. But each of them represents their own house. I think yeah. Madame Gao is the representative of Queen of Spiders, who is one of the houses. And okay. Dead Bowie. And so this is Beatles. one thing... I, I need to say about the Avengers. I haven't seen it. I, I know pretty much what happens in it because it's the Avengers. Guys beat up stuff. They defeat Ultron. It's the exact same character arc. It's the exact same story arc as the first Avengers movie. Yeah. Bad guy steals something powerful. Good guys fight bad guy and lose number one. Good guys fight bad guys and lose number two. Good guys fight each other. Mm. <laughs> Good guys fight bad guys and win. So uh, from yeah. from the summary from this article, which is by Sadie Doyle, and it appears on uh, Medium, it's, it's just, she says, the movie also has a predetermined narrative, which we know because it's the same narrative every Marvel movie adheres to, which is roughly, there's a thing and a bad guy, and the bad guy steals the thing, so they fight. They lose awesome. one fight, then they lose another fight, and then they win at the last fight, the end. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So, good but, job, Marvel. Well, we got out. it. <laughs> For the first one, it was pretty much their origin story of the Avengers, right? Uh-huh. Which everybody loves origin stories. Oh, the, yeah. the first movie is always doing really well. This one is the equivalent of a like. A crossover summer event for comic books, yes. right? And What's not in a good way, way too. Yeah. Well, I mean, when has a crossover ever worked? Yeah. There's way too many characters. They're trying to horn sho- uh, shoehorn everything in there so people get it. Civil and War. it, yeah, and it never, and it's Hopefully never going to be good, work. right? As opposed to their yeah. one off, their their one off. Um, the one movies. Good, the one so, good thing that I will say that came out of the movie was Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch is fucking fantastic. That is a true story. Like, so I heard her powers is a little Olsen different. Though. Plays I, Scarlet Witch. Okay, she's the Olsen twins' little sister. Oh yes. really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I can so see that. real quick uh, side note. Fuck. 
Yeah, it's gone. Okay. <laughs> okay. I did so see a, a one more one more thing. Oh. You got <laughs> God. It. Someone Damn actually died this time. Yes. It's, like, shush. It's a Joss Whedon movie, of course. No one died in the first one. No one died. In the first one. It's an origin story. We can't have death. But all, all the Mar- all all the Marvel movies have had this moment. Where we're gonna, you know, I'm gonna sacrifice myself, and the person doesn't actually sacrifice yeah. themselves. And yeah. this one, someone dies, and they don't make a big speech about it beforehand either, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> so and so, one thing I just have to say is that I'm really digging comic book TV shows as opposed to movies because yeah. Yeah. you get much more time uh-huh. to develop these characters, right? Like from Agents of Shield, which was really campy. Some of the characters are really, really fucking deep. Like they're the the reason why their motivations for their mm-hmm. doing things. You have a lot more time to describe that kind of stuff where you don't in a movie. And I think maybe that's where Joss got a little frustrated because well, he's there not was, doing there's, it anymore. There's also, um, there's also definite studio interference. With yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because and he's been talking about it, about the things that they interfered with and wanted, like they desperately wanted more, like crazy weird psycho Thor quest in the Age of Ultron, oh and he actually specifically said that um, he wanted to take that part out and redo it. But um, they literally said, "Well, if you uh, if you want to take that out, then you can't have the farmhouse scene." And like they just oh. held they held wow. his favorite parts at gunpoint and told him he had to do stuff with it. <laughs> so speaking of TV shows, as this will be the last thing in this segment, okay. Um, saw the Supergirl trailer yeah. and I actually really liked it. I like it a lot. I I like I think it's a a cool counterpoint to shows like Daredevil and Arrow and you know Flash does go in a little Flash bit into that like lighthearted campy but I really enjoyed the tone of Supergirl. I think it looks fun. I, I feel like the people that are freaking out about it are freaking out about it because they're afraid it won't have depth because it has tropes that are associated with women and femininity specifically but it also shows a, a it uses those feminine tropes and then so still has yeah. her being powerful and beating the shit out of people and and having agency i mean i feel like powers. she's really real like yeah. i love the scene of her like kind of like fist punching after she sees herself on tv she's like yeah i did that yeah yes uh i mean it the and you know the first thirty seconds of the part in New York, it does look a, a bit like Devil Wears Prada, but it's sort yeah. of fun. It's like I uh-huh. my favorite superhero stories are ones where they have to deal with like being in real life and like existing in this sort of split between two worlds situation. Mm-hmm. I am the double meat palace apologist. <laughs> in, I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? I am the Double Meat Palace apologist. The episode Double Meat Palace in season six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where she's working at the fast food restaurant. Yeah. Um, I, I find like having to deal with the mundanity of your like dumbass boss and also the you know lurking evil uh, at the same time is great. Yeah. So I'm excited for Supergirl. <laughs> For the last two weeks, we've been reading The Empty Man. It's a six-issue miniseries from Boom Studios by Colin Bunn and Vanessa Del Rey. Uh, it's a horror story, and this was one of this was one of Anne's picks. Yes. So why don't you I take will, it from here? I will summarize and talk a little bit about it. I picked it for the show after reading the first issue um, because I thought that it had a really interesting vibe. It's all about um, 
people mysteriously committing suicide or doing other like bizarre and inhuman things saying that the empty man made me do it uh and it's about two investigators one from the cdc and one from the fbi that are trying to figure out what is going on um so this is uh a six issue issue miniseries and as this has come to a as a surprise to some of our brave podcasters it's the that that's all it is it actually does end after issue six this may be a clue about <laughs> the type of ending which it has uh which is uh it doesn't it doesn't resolve a non-existent ending is yeah. that what we're yeah, a, a non-ending i was trying to come up with some literary bullshit like BKV-ish. it doesn't resolve it resonates but no it, it just doesn't <laughs> resolve so uh silent flags yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, we changed the format a few episodes ago, so we're going to do buy, bar, or burn at the beginning uh, so that if you guys decide that you want to go read this book before we talk about it, you can. Um, and I think we'll do you last, and since you picked the book. Sure. Um, and we'll start with Andy. Uh, I'm going to go with a solid borrow. Solid borrow? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm very, in, like, I don't think it's a bad book. I don't think it's a great book. Okay. Joel? Um, burn it. Or less, the empty man will infect you. <laughs> I, I have to go burn on this one. I can't. Um, it's the first burn for me in a while too. But this one is just. I just. There's too many flaws, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. I'm gonna go borrow. Um, there are a lot of flaws, and I'm uh, disappointed after reading the first exciting issue. Um, I, I think it's worth a look, especially if you're a fan of horror comics and specifically of Clive Barker because it is Clive Barker-esque. Yeah. So tell us what it's about. So um, these investigators are like their story goes in parallel present day. They're in Atlanta, I think, Um, goes in parallel with something that happened five years ago. There's some TV preacher who's become magically successful in life uh, and there and seems to be connected to some of these cults that are popping up, mm-hmm. empty man related cults, uh, including some folks that are called witnesses that are like not literally dying, but very creepy and occasionally commit mass suicide and all kinds of wacky stuff is going on. So um, this seems to be tied into an event that happened uh, where a woman came to this this pre- this TV preacher who was um, a healer, like a faith healer, and tries to get him to help out her brother. So there's some mm-hmm. big thing going on with her and her brother. About halfway through, it's revealed that he has her brother sort of like in captivity with a bunch of tubes, and right. there's some sort of like he's effectively brain dead when yeah when they meet yes, um, and then we find out through the story that he's. Uh, got a lot of ESP potential, basically. Yeah. The, it seems like the people that are being affected by the Empty Man situation have psionic potential of some right. flavor. And it's 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 got that little like Cthulian flair, yeah. right? Where it's some kind of unknown evil that is affecting people who are only people who are sensitive to it mm-hmm. in some way and causing them to, um, you know, see things that maybe their mind can't handle. Um, Right. And... One of the inspectors is psychically sensitive and starts getting visions and is Mm -hmm. using them. It's the FBI one and she's using them to to help solve solve the mystery. What they're they're looking for... See, I think 
me having a hard time summarizing this uh, actually ties into some of what I see as the inherent structural issues with the book. Yeah. Uh, what they're, <laughs> the MacGuffin of the whole thing are these two kids. Uh, they, they're called in uh, for this family that's like imploded. Uh, sort of literally I don't know dad <laughs> we we see a scene of dad like clawing his own eyes out in the shower and then later mom's uh, skin is <laughs> I'm, like you, you're I, trying not to say it again and fleshy I, curtains <laughs> fleshy curtains meat, anyway meat curtains <laughs> uh, mom's been made into meat curtains uh, and the kids are missing so like technically the mystery that they're solving is to find the kids yeah which they do find the kids like this is a thing it happens um my main issue with the book is that it didn't quite know what kind of story it wanted to be. Like, I think they could have done it as stronger as I, I hate to say this because of television, damn you television, but uh, they could have done it as a police procedural. Yeah. That would have been stronger, but See, it was kind of scattered. And you want to, you want to, when you said that before I was trying, I was like, yeah, okay, this could be a police procedural. But then I realized then I, th- I, I thought this would be a good story in, in the same vein as like true detective. Like, have okay. you seen True Detective? No, oh, God, it's so good. It's mm. one of the best shows that HBO has put on so far. Yeah. Ten issue miniseries, and it's um, it's a police... It is a procedural, but a very strange one, hmm. that there are definitely, like, hints of, like, occult and supernatural nice. things in it um, without going real deep into them being, you know, into the, the actual explanations of those things. What? Yeah. Well, they were trying to find a, a missing girl, right? Oh no, they were trying to find the murderer. Right. Okay. In True um, Detective. Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. it looks. Uh, I mean, True Detective. It would be a good template for what this could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm. There were a lot of cool elements that were cool, and then they didn't quite alchemize into a coherent thing. Yeah. See, the reason why I didn't, I thought this was more, be, was because of the ending. And then also they start these whole threads for characters that they never really resolve. Right. Like uh, the one sick, uh, I can't remember what the, the male detective's name was. I don't remember anybody's name. Yeah, but he, he has cancer. He's going to die and deal with it. But they never really like. Why? I think the ending was supposed to be the re- resolution. Right. Spoiler alert. Here is the ending. Uh, he, they figure out that like the source of true evil is coming from behind a rip in the void of reality that's made from the fleshy curtains of mom so <laughs> so and, and ironically so they, enough so they the children spill out from the fleshy curtains so, of so mom. they hey. penetrate mom's fleshy curtains uh, to oh God. they don't enter they don't, another realm so many yeah. jokes it's, it, bring children into the realm <laughs> so the kids come out and and he shh, I'm, such uh, a, I'm such an infant <laughs> goes back uh, and he terminally ill cop, mm. CDC cop goes in uh, it's been pointed out that he has basically no psionic potential, so he's I a, think a, a, the implied... His cyan, what was it? He's, oh, he's was just above... Uh, his psionic potential is just above someone who's brain dead, I think is yeah. what he said. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. a bit ironic, what with the brain dead guy causing all the things. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the one thing that we should mention that I don't think we've really hit on, is that that extra-dimensional evil dimension is actually inside the head of this brain dead person yeah. that no one can understand until later in the book like th- when they figure it out they're like why are they keeping him alive because he is actually like in our world he is completely brain dead but he ex- they explain in like issue three or four that he's been trapped he, he can't he can't communicate to the outside world yep. he can't 
even move. He can't blink. He can't think. He can't um, do anything outwardly, but he is still alive and intelligent within his own brain and has created his own hell, but his psionic potential has actually caused it to manifest. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that's where the... And then I don't, I don't understand. I, I didn't really quite understand why the like the ritual killing of the mom opened the yeah I'm, the I think veil so. I, um, need to. I think it's like some sort of like communal zeitgeist where their collective psi powers were like oh this is how it works okay let's do it that way sure but it, that is a good question like why this particular family why now and i'm not 100% sure i kind of the understood the the premise I understood the premise of why he was trying to get a hold of the kids. So one of the side storylines is or one of I guess the main storyline is he kills his family and takes the kids. Yeah. And the the purpose we find is that he, like any good villain, does not expect does not think that what he's doing is evil. Yeah. He thinks that um he is creating a better world for the people with whom he can communicate. But the pe- but other people who can't see his psychic projections um think that, you know, everything's going to shit and they, mm-hmm. they think that there's a problem. So he brings these children in and and alters them in order to become his spokespeople in the real world, right? He, they're supposed to come out and tell everybody, don't be afraid, everything's going to be fine. Which I mean, with, um, with the overt, like, Christian side flavor of the preacher storyline, then you can get into some apocalyptic stuff about uh-huh. a little child shall, shall lead them, et cetera, et cetera. Part of the tone of this reminded me a lot of, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. You know? Um, it had that same tone, but without the without the payoff. Yeah. Like I feel very Clive Barker esque about this story. Sure. Yes. Like um, what was it? Uh, Midnight Meat Train or yeah, yeah. Like so, there's this definite gore aspect to it, and it's not it's not like crossed where it's shock gore. No, it's it, just it's psychological gore, I guess. Like Joel, the example you gave earlier was a woman who like jumps off a building and then isn't quite dead, so she gets up and jumps off the building so again. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, it's body horror. Her to do it. Yeah, it's yeah. body horror. And there's like there's the one the scene with the, the three. Way. Yeah, there's like, the one scene with the three people standing there, and one of them's missing the top of his head and holding his brain in his hand, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I I don't know. I just. Um, it felt really disjointed the the way that the story was being told. Um, I don't feel like anything ever really got. I mean, I I, under, I don't want everything to just have a, a solid explanation, but right. I don't feel like there was any kind of solid uh, thing to latch onto and be like, okay, this is what I'm following. Because like the cop guy is kind of bland. His partner is unlikable. Um, and I'm okay with her being unlikable, but she wasn't unlikable in a way that served the story. Yeah, mm. the. The preacher guy was, he. I mean, it, that was actually kind of annoyingly tropey to me because mm. there are so many horror stories like this that are all about like preacher makes a deal with an infernal power to become a more powerful preacher in the world, and uh-huh. I'm just kind of tired of that. And so oh, that's Dr. a personal, th- yeah, that's a personal thing that I'm just a little sick of. So that that didn't really work for me very well because I've seen it in so goddamn many stories Um, and even like TV shows have done it movies have done it books have done it and I'm just like "Eh, yeah I'm I'm tired of the can we get a new thing the evil southern priest uh, you know preacher thing so 
I just want to jump in real quick. Um, like I feel like, much like the tooth was an homage to Werewolf by Night, I feel like there's some sort of element of Vault of Horror mm-hmm. or uh, Tales from the Crypt or something along yeah. those lines, and that that Colin sure. was shooting for. And in that aspect, I think he succeeded. Whether or not that's something that I want to read right now, like I like horror books, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just enjoy them. I don't mind gore in my comics. No, I that's like fine. There being monsters that just rip people to shreds. Um, I don't know if that's what the market is looking for right now. I don't think that's the. Sorry, go ahead. Like, I know I was going to say the same thing. Like, regardless of what the market is like, looking for, not, sorry, I think I that there's deeper reasons why this book didn't quite land with me. Not, okay, so market was the incorrect term. Sorry, by market I mean the readers. Like we've all read that stuff already, and maybe it's not been long enough since that sort of stuff has come out. So we were like, man, so I really maybe he's just not it. adding anything new to the genre. Well, and I think I think that's the thing. Like you're, you know, you're ascribing the issues to, um, you know, like maybe reader fatigue or you know it not being the right place. When, in my opinion, it's not that I'm. Like, yeah, I'm tired of the evil preacher thing, but executed well, I could be into it, and I don't yeah. think this was executed well. That's, that's like, I'm actually talking about problems with this book from a fundamental level of artistic execution, right? And that's where I have a problem with it. I just don't think the story... I think the themes were on point. The whole thing with, like, the this brain-dead psionic guy creating another reality that he mm-hmm. thinks is great um the whole the title the empty man uh how that that fits in with um his consciousness like filtering into yeah. to everyone else i the whole theme of pariah and how that functions like the themes i think are on point but the the story itself is confused yeah mm. like off the top of my head, I'm like, okay, so why did the preacher murder the guy's sister? I don't remember right now. And I don't even remember. I mean, because she was going to take him away. She was asking too many oh, questions she, about she why to get her brother back. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Because the guy, the guy was helping her brother, and told her that he would not do anything without her approval. And he did. He moved. He moved the guy out of the facility where she knew him to be, mm-hmm. without getting her approval first. But even that was kind of a weak justification for what what it led to. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I see. It, it seems like it was just like okay. So how can we kill her off so that she can appear as a exactly. spirit to the cop and be a source? Exactly. Because clearly she needs to be dead in order to do that. Yeah. Meh. Which is uh. not. Actually, true. And I, or she I, could just find the cops. And I mean, talk to them. But. Yeah. And I didn't. Um, that would have been stronger, honestly, if they're like, "Hey, so I have this like, you know, wacky situation with this dead family and uh, missing kids, and then I also have this missing persons. Like, how does how do those fit together? Because that doesn't have an obvious connection. I think that would. Out of curiosity, know. if they would have killed her like sort of off page and just never explained it, do you think that would have been better? Possibly, maybe yeah. if she if. She, like I th- I actually think it probably would have been stronger if she had um if she had shown up as a spirit first and then you have and then part of the later story is is figuring out that she got killed somehow by by something and but but it would be interesting to be like you have all these to have like these um, f- these flashbacks, right? Because it, it flashes from five years ago, one year ago, and today are the are the main timelines, 
And in the five years ago and one year ago timelines, it's almost entirely about her dealing with the preacher and her brother and that whole scenario. So it would kind of been interesting to see her alive in flashbacks and then just all of a sudden she shows up as a ghost and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck happened in between, you know? Um, how she died is maybe not a question that needed to be answered. Right, uh, right, mm. right. You just know that somehow now she's she's the spirit entity. Yeah, she, she's spooky ghost, not flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I. Um, for for me, the the whole problem with this book is that it was it seemed like it was a bunch of vignettes of people being taken by the empty man. Right. Mm -hmm. In every single issue, there was like, oh, and then there was this one person that did this really creepy thing and another person who did a really creepy thing and they did all this creepy stuff. And then they would go and talk to people in creepy places. And it was it was trying to be super creepy without going anywhere. I mean, like more meaning attached to the creepiness. Like they could have done more with the um, FBI lady. Yeah, it was, was infected with the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it could have. I mean, like the the occult uh, advisor that they have, they would yeah. always meet him like, oh, hey, he's in a leather bar. Okay, cool. And the, the creepy place, uh, you know, and they really didn't. Pole dancing evil, pole dancing evil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, there was pole dancing in there too and people with whips. And it just seemed like a lot of set pieces and a lot of things that were supposed to make you uneasy, but no reason as to why. Well, in the book and and what you brought up earlier Anne, about um the, it could have felt better with more of that procedural aspect i think part of why it needed more of that procedural aspect was to feel like anything that happened was as a result of the agency of the main characters mm-hmm. yeah. because it really felt like the main characters were entirely lost mm-hmm. could not figure it out on their own and then when when the woman gets uh, infected or you know gets touched and is able to see yeah. it it feels it ends up feeling more do sex than actual yeah. like story it just feels like they're handing her the yeah. Like well, the, well, no, the, the, the entire answers. thing was because when they finally meet a witness the whole thing about the witnesses right is that they were not able to perceive the empty man right Right. they always were witnesses and then they finally get a scene where hey a witness is being taken by the empty man right Mm -hmm. he actually is like oh i'm being taken and it has to and it's actually not even the witness being taken by the empty man it's a giant nightmare bug thing that comes and kills him out of like nowhere Just sort of the manifestation of the collective unconscious of the eh? it came came from the it came from the guy like they kind of show the the guy that scratches his face off like his his head pops off and you see something slither away and that becomes the thing was um yeah i I, because that's how that's how i interpreted it okay that makes sense because i thought those things came out of the meat curtains that were made out of the mom so here's the thing that because the house was no i think i think that thing made the meat curtains out of the mom okay that's to call to 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 give to let to the thing came out of the dad in order to to perform the ritual that allowed okay. uh, the empty man to take the children. Okay. Right? That's that's your new birds and the, birds and the bees. Speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kids come out of it. Uh, um, and then and then there's another scene where and so that's how. But that encounter with the bug is how the detective gets infected, right? Mm-hmm. And then because of that 
infection, then the sister just mysteriously shows up and talks to her. And so they got all their leads, not by their agency, just right. by things Habits. dropping. Yes. In front. Yeah. Yeah, right. and that and that aggravates that aggravates me because it like I it's frustrating. It would have been the point of them doing anything. It would have been fine to me if seventy five percent of the solutions had come from procedural procedural investigation, and then the the connections that they couldn't make maybe came from her visions. Yeah. Like that's fine. Mm. Get somewhere on your own without having something just dropped in your lap by accident. Um, and I think that's really where the whole thing failed, aside from the ending, which I'm going to get into in a second here. Uh, I think that's where it fell apart for me was that I just didn't feel like – it just felt like a string of things happening. It didn't feel like like characters doing anything and affecting yep. the world around them. Yeah. It was just um, a really creepy world. And so, which so, the really creepy world was great. It was creepy, but we needed it to matter along yeah. with being creepy. The world was fine. I needed more. I mean, maybe six issues wasn't enough because I need. Yeah. If there had been more world building and more time spent on, uh, like kind of why things were happening, which brings me around to the ending, which we talked about a little bit earlier. But so the ending of the book, they just, um, they reach. The moment before the climax of the story and just stop. Yep. They Ta-da. literally have figured out kind of what needs to happen. Mm. They've brought the children <laughs> back from behind the meat curtains and they've realized the the guy with cancer who is, you know, he's a big dumb oaf with a gun realizes, okay, maybe because I'm, you know, one, because I'm dying of cancer and two, because I'm, you know, maybe... Uh, not psychically powerful at all. Maybe if I step into this guy's world with a gun, I can just end this by finding him and shooting him, you know? And so here's one way that the, the ending could have been better or mattered, even if they chose to still not resolve it. So part of CDC guy's backstory is that his entire family has died of cancer, mm-hmm. including a son which seems a little hyperbolic. I mean, I get that that can happen, but it's also told through really awkward exposition where for some yeah. reason his partner is like looking him up on the computer screen. It doesn't already. They've been partners for three years and she doesn't know this already. It's like, why? No. That, yeah. like, but how it should come up is his son should still be alive. His son either has the beginning stages of cancer or is is miraculously cancer-free but psionic and starting to get infected with the wackiness mm-hmm. that makes it higher stakes for because he literally has nothing to nothing to lose and nothing to gain he's like you say just a big dumb oaf with a gun he's yeah. got to be a big dumb oaf with a gun and a purpose and a purpose and and once they get the children back from the other side like he kind of has like because now he has the knowledge of what the empty man is and what it's doing but is that enough for i mean but they already the cancer the- just gives him the chance to be like, okay, I, you know, I can sacrifice cool. myself, and, well, and, I, and it's, it's that's fine. the whole thing. Is the whole the book? Everything is about the empty man. Uh-huh. They find patient zero, and, and don't just shoot him in the head. Right? Well, there was a reason for well, that. Yeah, and there I is can't a reason. They, they said they don't because know they if his psychic potential is already in the ether enough to just be have manifested away from his yeah. body. Is what, and it's like, well, shoot him first and then find out. 
like kill the guy and then if it's still happening well then yeah. you go through the meat curtains so, and so see they what do happens. they yeah. so the you whole know? the whole reason why every everybody is dying they find empty man meh. you're like meh. And then, yeah, and then right. the whole reason why they're they're doing this is to find those two kids, and they find the two kids like meh. Uh, like I say, the kids were total MacGuffins, and I guess the yeah. empty man was a MacGuffin too. And then the whole uh, yeah. and, and then the whole ending is it ends at that point. It's it's he walks through the meat curtain. Kids come out. He walks through the meat curtains, and the the partner makes some uh, comment about you know we'll figure this out from our side, and he's like, well, I'm going to go try and kill the guy, and he walks through the curtains, and it ends, and it's just like. There was not enough. Maybe it got cut short. That, I don't think I, it so. Honest, really? It was always supposed to be a six issue miniseries, yeah. as far as yeah. I'm like. Because Boom the, has done eight issues before, like right. several, and it, this just should have one, been an eight issue just series. Just one more. And the, just one more right. of him in the Empty Man world. I get. Would have been good. I get the concept of that style of ending. That style of ending is one of those things where it's just like, uh, okay, we're going to. You know, we're gonna walk off, and this is how it's gonna happen. Like they, there was, there was a series of books that I just read called the Southern Reach trilogy. Um, Southern Reach, Southern, so, Southern, Southern Cross, Reach. Southern Reach. Yeah. Jeff Vandermeer's books had the same kind of ending, where it was just like, uh, you know, spoilers for people who haven't read the Southern Reach trilogy. It, it, it was, it was a an unresolved ending. I'll just leave it at that. Where Don't it just kind it. of fiddles out and Meh. I'm and the the problem that I have with that kind of ending here is that there is not nearly enough build up to make that ending pay off right journey. I feel There's, like if yeah. you're going to have that kind of an ending you you the reader need to have a pretty good sense of what's going to happen yeah mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. yeah you mm-hmm. know literally exactly what's going to happen to them yep. it's going to suck and the fact that we like freeze frame on them while they're still alive it, it just like sort of it's like yay immortality stuff. yeah right. and and maybe that's the thing is that after six issues you read this entire thing and everything gets revolved and you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, just like, gonna, what's the reason? Not enough caring. <clears throat> I do yeah. want. I do want to take a moment and talk about Vanessa Del Rey's art, mm. um, which I, I, I hate to be super negative anymore, but man, is I don't like it at all. She's got a. Okay. She looks. She looks to me. Her art style to me is the the bad parts of Sean Gordon Murphy mixed with the bad parts of Matt Kent. <laughs> And I don't it was like a bit it. Kintesque. And I don't. Kinty. I, Kinty. I think <laughs> meat curtains. I her art. She, I read a. I read another series that had her art of Boom Studio series called Hit, that was a, a pseudo true story about um, uh, a police um, hit squad in the fifties. That was again. It was like there's scenes in this book that are indecipherable yeah because of her art there's there's a couple of scenes where there's supposed you're supposed to see lurking shadows but all you see is like weird lines and you can't tell what it looks like just an abstract background instead of the lurking shadows that someone's supposed to be afraid of Mm. and the artwork there just there are just some times where it's um it's just a muddled kind of mess and i don't like it's this is the first time in a while that i've just been like really negative about someone's art but man i just did not like her art in this book at all um i would i would kill to see the type of this type of book drawn by somebody like J- james heron oh fuck that would have been fantastic but like her art style just didn't fit it didn't work it 
muddled the story in places that it really needed to be clear. Yeah, I think it sacrificed clarity for drama sometimes. Yeah. And that's didn't didn't help. I mean, overall I thought it was okay. Like um the the tone was sort of fine, but I almost think somebody with a slightly more crisp, slightly more realistic. And I say that because this is a very Clive Barker-esque book and Clive Barker's whole thing is like monsters that you actually can really definitely see and you can like see the horror, you know, in terms of like, you can tell what's going on and then, oh my God. Rawhead Rex is terrifying because he's basically a giant dog-faced monstrosity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, we were what, two, two... two borrows or two bars and two burns yeah. right mm. like i'm i'm still a burn i can't i don't think I've, I've changed my mind either i mean there's a lot of flaws to the book but it's interesting um i was thinking about the panel design actually because i think the panel design is a good metaphor for the book as a whole the panel design is really cool yeah it's really out there i did i think it that. works yeah i don't know what it means well the triangles were the symbol work. for what's his face's church weren't they and it was also their their um, <clears throat> their entrance or whatever. I can't oh, the meat think, curtain palace. Well, <laughs> no, but you can you can tell if you look at it. The format is whenever it started getting triang- triangular, uh, triangular, triangular. Yeah, I guess that's a better word. Yeah. Square. Triangular. Um, that was their descent into the empty man world or uh, some empty okay. man happening. Right, so everything would be square, and then as soon as it starts getting triangular, the empty man would show up. So basically, that's the tri- thats the empty man's like subconscious symbol, which is likely why it ended up on the symbol for the church as well, yeah. because yeah. Uh, the empty man was controlling the guy. So, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 meh. It's like thirty percent Vault of Horror, forty percent Clive Barker, twenty percent something I don't understand, ten percent mystic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Solid that's about right. Uh, for the next few shows, we have we've got everything planned out. I think it's going to be an awesome set of shows. Actually, uh, episode ninety four is going to be Alex and Ada. Uh, I need to figure out exactly how many issues are in the first trade. I think it's six, um, but we'll figure it out. We're going to do the first trade of Alex and Ada. Um, then we're going to do the first trade of Gotham Central which nice. I'm really looking forward to because I've never read it. So, so good. like, so good. I might have to just go out and buy the hardcovers. You and, should. You know, call Freeze. it again. Worth it. Uh, and then episode 96 is going to be Afterlife with Archie, yes. which we might actually, um, maybe at the beginning of the next episode, we can talk about Archie's, like, fuck it, we can talk about it now. Did you, did you guys see the stuff about Archie's Kickstarter and... I don't know. I did see Archie versus Predator, though. They started. They've been doing a lot of that stuff, but they had three new three new books that they wanted to come out with. Was a new a brand new launch of just a standard Archie book that was going to be written by that is going to be written by Chip Zdarsky, Mm -hmm. Um, and then a Betty and Veronica book that's being done by um, was it Frank Cho? No, not Frank Cho. It's (laughs) um, it's one of those Adam Hughes Adam Hughes is going to write and draw it and then it was going to be a Life with Kevin book who's their new their new homosexual character Kevin Kevin Conroy something I don't remember um, and they kickstarted they did, said they were going to kickstarter to get money to like accelerate the launch of these books and 
in my opinion, rightfully so, a lot of people freaked out. They're like, "You're a like really? Aren't you're you a comics? long time established comic book company who's doing really well now with your kind of reboot and the st- and the way you're handling stuff, and you're asking for fans for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make new books." Isn't that the point of being a successful company? Is, is that to you make, don't have to do that, that business model? You don't have to model? do that thing. Um, and and the, um, the, the Kickstarter rewards were awful. Like one of the, the $10 level reward was the first issue of the series, was the first issue of one of the books. And it was like, um, so for a, instead of paying $4 when it comes out, I can get, I can spend $10 now and get the same thing. Um, one of the reward levels was like access to to a forum, and, she, and it was just it was really You're awful. Doing it wrong, yeah. You're and, doing it so wrong. And they Ugh. they as of yesterday they pulled the Kickstarter. What? Um, <laughs> which is good, but the statement that they issued was just this really jargony, non-apology like gross thing, and it's it's. it's like I don't necessarily have a problem with established companies doing Kickstarters in certain scenarios, but in this particular instance, it's it like no sense. like you're doing a Kickstarter to support the very model of your business, which I think is which doesn't skeezy. need Kickstarting in the first. Place. Yeah, it's it's skeezy, and it's it's a really skeezy way to like. Uh, <laughs> Raise yeah. money from fans without scumbag Archie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna be doing Afterlife with Archie for episode ninety seven, and then episode ninety or no, episode ninety six, and then episode ninety seven is Andy's suggestion of Wormwood Gentleman Corpse. Mm-hmm. Um, so Andy's got to bring all the the weird so shit good. in. That's what I do. Like Temple Smith, stuff. right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Alex and Ada Gotham Central Afterlife with Archie Wormwood Gentleman Corpse. Uh, we would love to hear from fans, so if you want to be a part of the show and you want, have any questions or comments about any of those upcoming books, please uh, hit us up on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod or Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Trade Secrets Podcast, or you can email us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. Um, you can talk to all of us on Twitter. We are on the main Trade Secrets Pod account as well, but I am at Geeky Lead and... And Bean Tweets. Andy. Mathastrophe. Joel. Superfly. Uh, hit us up all on Twitter. Ask us questions. Send us comments. Uh, we love having listener mail for the show. Um, uh, Supreme Blue Rose was a listener suggestion, as is uh, All-Star Batman and Robin, which is one of the upcoming shows. It was a, li- a listener suggestion for something we should do. Um, and uh, we we want to talk to you. So uh, thank you guys for showing up I'm today and talking about Empty Man. Corner <laughs> somewhere. Crawl and die. <laughs> Uh, this has been episode 93 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, and we're out. Work it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger, more than ever, after power, work is never over. Work it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger.